everybody, and welcome back to Disc Covers, the only podcast that reads, reviews, and ranks all 41 of Terry Pratchett's seminal comic fantasy novel series, The Disc World. Uh, we're very happy to have you here. My name is Iris J. My pronouns are she or Zare, if you're feeling spicy. And I've got two, count them, two special guests in the studio with me today. Woo! Why don't y'all say hi? Hello. Oh, and, and introduce yourselves. And introduce yourselves, too. Yes, Hello. obviously. I am the internet's beloved princess, Grace. Uh, uh, she, her, fay, fear, fair, if you're spicy, and I am pleased and pleased to be here live at Scenic Iris's house. Hello, I am, as always, Juniper, uh, she, her, and I, I have to ask, when was the last time we checked if we were the only Discworld podcast that's ranking all the books? Uh, I hate to say, I, well, I found at least one other list out there, but I didn't find an attached podcast to it. The important thing yeah, just, is I know that when we we're started, we other... were the only one. Other people have ranked it, but not done a podcast about it. Other people podcast about it, but they do not rank it. We are the only ones who are fashioning the ranking list live for you, the listener. If you hear of any competitors, don't trust them. Just listen to us and yeah, Snake they're, Oil. They're probably worse than us, and also, also less Also send us their address, mm. podcast feed, and list of known weaknesses. <laughs> yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, they have a company. And also joining us over the phone are Synoptrix and delightful friend... Belina. Oh. Hi, I'm Belina. Uh, she slash they. Uh, you're starting to make me think that I really need to pick up some um, neo pronouns. Um, but no, I'm, I'm just, just saying al- always happy to be here. Yeah, you don't have to, but they are cool. Also, one of these days, I'm going to get you here so we can have all four of us recording. In the oh, same no. At the, at the very least, I need to get out there because Roxy's out there. Yeah. Oh. I will be rearranging the entire recording setup, though. I'm not going to have four people sitting around this one microphone. Oh, God, I can imagine. I'll bring my um, stuff just in case anyways, but... Perfect. But yeah, welcome. Today we're going to be talking about Thief of Time, a book that Terry published in, I believe it was 2001? Was it 2001? Correct. You're, yes. Oh, wow, we've entered uh, the 2000s. Now. Yeah, we're in the new millennium of Discworld. Oh. It's the century of the anchovy or whatever the hell. Uh, I mean, at the very least, he made a fucking Matrix joke, so that puts a floor on how far, how long ago he wrote this thing. Yeah. This is definitely a post-Matrix book. Yes, yeah. I spun around 360 degrees in my seat when I read that one. <laughs> and walked away? And I said, whoa. I did all of the Matrix things that everyone loved to do back in 2000, immediately after yeah. the Matrix came out. Take pills, trans or gender. Yeah, yeah, all of that shit. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, this was a really this was a really interesting book. I liked it. Uh, it it's very atypical for a Discworld book, though. Yeah. Almost not a Discworld book at all. I'd I, say. Man, I I really feel like like this one's like a weird black sheep because yeah, like we couldn't really find anything in the L Space annotations. It it only touched like a third of the book. The Wikipedia article only handles like the tiniest fraction of the book. It just feels like this one gets passed over. And it'll. I'm curious to see how we end up ranking it, but you know, we've got we've got an hour and a half of podcast ahead of us first. Passed over or erased from the timeline. It's, it's been dumped into the sea. My God. Well, why don't we hear the synopsis first? So yes. we can go into how weird the book is after possibly going over what's in it. Possibly the only synopsis that exists. That's given true. Yeah, the, yeah. Way, the way this given shit is everything. going. This one's for you, Wikipedia. Yes. Take it away whenever you're prepared, Lena. 
I regret to inform everyone that the auditors are back on their bullshit. Seeking to utilize a loophole in what they can and can't do, they incarnate one of their own as Lady Miria Lejeune, contacting a remarkably talented timekeeper in Morpork named Jeremy Clarkson to build a clock that is capital A accurate, the clock to end all clocks. Literally, it turns out, is the only way to make a truly accurate clock is to make one that would interfere with the natural flow of time from outside of the universe. Jeremy doesn't know this, but it's happened once before. Death gets wind of this, but as he lacks the ability to directly meddle, he puts Susan in its way instead. The History Monks, one of those secretive sects near the Ram Tops, who had put the history back together after the last time this happened, also take notice. While they have trouble spotting where it's coming from, local living legend and unassuming sweeper Lu Zi departs along with Lob Sang Lud, a remarkably talented novice, to seek out the source of the problem in Angmo Park, because that's where these things always happen. They arrive mm -hmm. moments too late, and time is halted. Lob Sang and Susan meet in the resulting stillness and attempt to figure out how to get things flowing again. As they do so, more and more auditors incarnate into human bodies out of a curiosity they didn't know they had, and promptly find themselves various flavors of unstable and unable to cope. Fighting through them, Susan and Lob Sang follow a series of hunches Lob Sang has about where he needs to be. These lead him to meet up with Mrs. Lejeune, who has carried Jeremy out of harm's way due to a feeling that she can't quite explain having. Jeremy and Lobsang are something like twins, but more like the same person split apart by the barest fraction of a second. When they come back into contact with one another, they become something less like the sum of their parts and more like an incarnation time itself. The reunited whole believes he knows how to handle the clock, but first he needs to be brought close enough to it to act. The disembodied Lobsang slash Jeremy, along with Susan and Amiria, who's now going by Unity at Susan's suggestion, break into a chocolatier's, taking everything they can carry, and fight their way through back through the city towards Jeremy's workshop. Sufficiently powerful feelings, such as taste and smell, can overwhelm an auditor to the point that they discorporate, and an explosion of flavor is something they can't simply adapt to, making it the most reliable weapon against them. Which is good, because there's a lot of auditors in the way. Nothing the group can't handle, of course, even if one of them ends up having to restore from a save file after a tough battle. Lobsang proceeds to break the clock, shattering history itself, and then slowly putting it back together. He has all the time there will ever be, so it takes no time at all to put it back together more or less like it was. It's fine, don't worry about it. The auditors die out, either through infighting or from being forced to dream, as they run out of energy and fall asleep. Unity gets to have a proper death by chocolate. Lobsang is promoted to sweeper sometime after he takes up the mantle of time's anthropomorphic personification, meaning his parents can retire. Luzi goes back to sweeping. Susan returns to teaching, though she sneaks off to have a chocolate break, only for Lobsang to show up for an improvised seven minutes in heaven. Wow! What Woo! a book! That was a really interesting synopsis, because it kind of made me realize something about the book, which was, there's this book actually, you know how we say that uh, some Discworld books feel like a movie? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This one really did. Yeah. Like, there's scenes that you think there about. There are several like, the sequences that in. absolutely need to be animated yeah. to make any mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. At all. I was, like, why, like, why the hell do they have the bars in the goddamn procrastinator room for any other reason other than to be cinematic? Oh, for sure. I was saying, this feels, more than anything else, like a Doctor Who spec script. Hmm. Like. Yes. It's got, it's the most science fiction-y Discworld look we've gotten yet and that I'm willing to put good money on that we'll ever get. Uh, it's kind of a rip-rollicking ride through, like, it, it's the Discworld, uh, you know, road show kind of a thing, but instead it's sort of this race literally against the clock to try and keep the world from being exploded by an incomprehensible threat that doesn't understand humans. And uh, it's got a lot of that kind of like... Like, it's even got like kind of an old guy who's kind of just there to kick it and explain things, but not really like do a hell of a lot, because the actor doesn't really do like a lot of like wild shit. 
And it's it just struck me as like this was originally something else, and then it feels like it got retrofitted into a Discworld book mm-hmm. to me. I I really liked that about it. I, I it, it feeling like a, having read I guess because I've read every single Discworld book now up to this <laughs> point, having something that's so very Pratchett and in many ways so very Discworld while still being like different in a lot of ways was kind of it was really nice it was fun i had a good time with it mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed it yeah. it's the mint chocolate chip of Discworld books it's the one you don't really expect also before we get off the subject i do have to say uh you mentioned the doctor who thing and so i did go look up what terry pratchett thought of doctor who mm-hmm. and i did find an old article that he wrote about doctor who where he's really really mad at it mostly <laughs> because it shouldn't be called science fiction because there's no science in it whatsoever. There's no science. It's not it's hard just, sci-fi. Yeah. It's science fantasy. He complains a bunch about the fact that there's no uh, there's no like scientific explanation for anything, and has no interest in doing so, and it's just a lot of Deus Ex Machina and a lot of random solutions to stuff. Uh, but then he follows it by saying, "And also, I will show up every week and watch it because I enjoy it thoroughly," which about makes sense. Yeah. 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 That's that seems about right, but yeah, they, it, it's so concerned with like laying down like, it's an entirely new system of magic, uh, which is time based shenanigans. Uh, it's run by the history monks, who we've seen in Discworld books before, but never always as like background characters and never really intensely. This book has a lot of DNA that it brings in from small gods, mm-hmm. which is also where. Uh, Luce first appeared, but uh, they really fill in the gaps here as here's a chance to kind of start from zero and try this whole new system. And it's a really cool system of how it works. Like with like we have to like repair time. We have these things called procrastinators that kind of like keep time flowing correctly and how we balance it and shit. We can like slice time up and do wild shit with that, travel fast, uh, do sick-ass kung fu or like even like respawn from the dead which was fucked yeah yeah the, the yetis can do can quick save yeah um it's very cool and also uh i do appreciate that like only like only five years after interesting times we got a book about asians in discworld that wasn't completely fucking racist there's still some there's, there's still like, a yeah, little bit like a, there was a whole bit where he just named like, like makes up the names of martial arts and like, they named like okie and deja vu and shit the thing is like those jokes feel like Discworld. Yeah. yeah yeah like yes. i'm i'm not gonna say this book isn't racist because there's definitely some stuff but a lot of the jokes in it I read them and I'm like, yeah, that feels about how like Pratchett yeah, would make fun yeah. of England as well, like right. naming random shit in funny ways it, or stuff. It actually feels like he's making fun of everyone equally right. and not like this weird, whatever the hell was going <laughs> oh on back God. there. It was I, so I absolutely have to give him credit for Deja, Deja Fu giving you the feeling that you've been kicked in the head like this before. Yeah, <laughs> that, that that's, is very He's actually good. telling a joke there. That's That, yeah. that helps. Yeah. It's cool. It's also got good payoffs and stuff. And, like, Mm. it's still weird, especially because, like, all of the... All of the things here are based very much on, like, martial arts movies tropes Mm. and story tropes. Like, the whole... If there's a... If there's a... a There's small a little... <laughs> bald man sweeping and grinning at you, you should be scared sort you're, of thing. Yeah, you're, you're gonna get one. your ass kicked yeah. hard. Yeah. 
uh, like like all of that stuff. So it's still like it's still drawing on all of these things, but it's drawing on them in a way that I could go, yeah, that's fun. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I, I think would have been fresher in two thousand one a little yeah. bit. Yes. Well, that's when yeah. right after the Matrix yeah. came out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I said that you know he makes a Matrix joke, but yeah, the weird obsession with time, weird time fuckery and kung fu. Wait a second. I mean, it's not yeah. the part of the book that's aged the worst. That would be naming the guy Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah, that that is inescapable, isn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, he only says it once, and then just calls him Jeremy for the rest of the book. Thank God. I mean, just like the real I'm... Jeremy Clarkson, everything would have gone a lot simpler for BattleBot had killed him during the first season. <laughs> but yeah that was great it's it's a book full of like weird like it kind of feels like terry strange like like really like i was also saying yesterday when i was upstairs in zoe and sarah's apartment like this book really feels like terry in in interviews really seemed like a kind of like real mercenary kind of guy when it came to putting out books like he was very much like okay i you know, I gotta write this much per day, and I keep writing Discworld because it's what makes the money, and that's why I can deliver books every year. Uh, with this book, it feels like now that we're in dub banger era, it feels like with this and also maybe the truth and maybe searching back to the fifth elephant, like it really feels like he's starting to be like, okay, I can afford to get like a little weird with these books. Mm-hmm. I can I can ease off of the series that people know they want, and I can experiment a little bit more. Uh, this feels like a very experimental book, despite it mm. using tropes and also doing some things that were kind of done in previous books. The whole the apocalypse, the horsemen of the apocalypse need to ride out was done before in sorcery, but this is a better take of it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they're the Beatles now. They're also the Beatles, I guess. It's it's really it's really weird. This book has like three different plots in it that are all going at once and instead of like the normal Terry Pratchett thing where they all kind of come together or something they just kind of run into each other a couple times and then keep (laughs) going off in their own direction yeah Yeah. like yeah but the whole thing with Roddy had no actual impact on anything we never even saw like the 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 battle just kind of happens and then never resolves I feel like that was like like Terry was like, what if there was a fifth horseman that you didn't expect? Wouldn't that be, like, fucked up? Okay, and then it it's like, a, there is something about this. Because he wrote Ronnie, called him Ronnie Soak before he did. He realized that reading it backwards is chaos. Chaos. <laughs> so he just sort of went, oh, huh, well, I guess I'm making this guy a horseman now. <laughs> yeah, but again, that, that would be the kind of thing where, like, in a TV show, that would be, like, a twist where you'd be like, whoa! And then, like, Maybe that wouldn't have anything to do with the actual ending, but the point is to be like, "Whoa, look at that! Whoa, stay entertained!" Yeah, and like, there's the the, the idea of like, well, they got the Horsemen of the Apocalypse together, but they never said who they had to ride out against. Yeah, uh-huh, so they're gonna go fight the bad guys. Like, that's a fun idea, but it doesn't really like it. it it's kind of happening at the same time as the other threat is, and yeah. it's not really. Cl- it, it's it's it not bad. It's just. It's a cool little bit. It makes it again. It makes a nice dramatic moment, but like it doesn't. It, it never concludes. It never has a payoff. It just. It's a, at most, it's a spectacle, and that's it. Yeah. Again, it would it would look really cool. If this was a movie, but it doesn't. Um, 
It, it doesn't... It's, okay, that's also happening. Thanks. We're already kind of beating them. Yeah. We're, we're, we're doing it there. We're but all, thanks. We're already fighting them with chocolates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is also the return of uh, fan favorite and podcaster host favorite, uh, Susan Stohelet. Yeah. The death series of books. She's back in this one. She's a teacher in this one, which I guess makes a little more sense than being a governess for kids and mm-hmm. Father. I mean, it's I a like she's governess a real... for like 30 kids at once. Yeah, but it's more, she doesn't have to live with them. Yeah, Precious. no, no, no. I, I'm saying it's like an escalation. Yeah. Pratchett is once again trying to make this lesbian date a boy. It's once again <laughs> yeah. not believable. To me. Look. <laughs> I'm sorry. I the, the... She, she said like Three, like she, she didn't know Lob saying except for when he was like a fart. When he was, he, she, he literally pulled the soft fuzzy man thing on her. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I'm kind of indistinct and vague. But when I have a meat body, oh, I'm gonna be a hottie biscotti. Get it's, ready for that. It's a little bit cute at the end, and like I get the idea of her being like, oh, there's someone else like me and caring mm-hmm. about that. But they really didn't get any time together to yeah. sell that. Meanwhile, I think that her and Unity should make out because Absolutely. they have such uh, oh my they, they have God. such great tension. I think they yeah, I think the girl should kiss. I think they had more chemistry than she I, was yeah. I mean, I love the idea of like a woman who is practical to a fault and a woman who has only been able to survive by being as impractical as she can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. That's great. She she would Susan would hate it. And that's what makes it really cute. That's and why it's good. It's, that's what makes it good. And there are hate, but be unable to look away. Of them together. Well, I'm so mad. That. That's so bullshit. We gotta do something. Listeners, it's time for our once an episode call <laughs> to arms. We need you to make Susan slash Unity fan fiction. Slunity, if you will. Slunity. Yeah. Not the game engine. Yes. <laughs> I just I. It's, it would be cute. This isn't at all because Unity is like one of my secret favorite underdog characters from any Discworld mm-hmm. story. And anytime anyone does yeah. anything with her, I'm just like, oh, I love Unity so much. Oh. Why do you like Unity so much? I don't know. I, <laughs> well, I mean, that's an interesting question. I've okay, I, I have to say that as somebody who... <laughs> Frequently has conversations. You know, I who so frequently describes herself as an alien studying how you humans work, and as somebody who has been trying to be a woman here for the last six or seven years. Yes, I have an appreciation for this character that I did not have the last time I read this book. <laughs> yeah, you know, see, like I was reading and I was like, wow, June's whole assessment of this being very transgender actually is pretty on the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, <sighs> It's good. Yeah, it's I, okay, Unity. I can't do makeup either. Yeah, I, I, I joked in the chat earlier that I, this is a character that I've accidentally been kidding for years. <laughs> she gave herself the Shizuka Joe star, and I think we've all been there. <laughs> but I just, I love her so much. She's so good. She I, has so many problems, and she's trying her <laughs> best, and that's all I, I bet I relate to that a lot. Literally all things strive. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's great, too, because, like, during the big climax of the of the book, like, you know, hundreds of auditors start inhabiting human bodies and trying to survive as human. And it's like it's so it's you know, it's it's Terry's whole thesis of like, oh yeah, order could never like 
order can never withstand in the face of emotion or in the face of passion or desire or whatever the fuck. And it's, it's, this is, this kind of shit is really like, yeah, this, this feels like a Doctor Who spec script. Mm -hmm. It's so like, look, the thing that we wrote the whole book about is literally happening right in front of you in the most obvious metaphor mm -hmm. possible. These people are exploding because they're eating delicious candy, and they can't handle how cool it is to eat delicious candy. Okay, yes, when you put it like that, it's very, it's very English sci-fi. Harlequin said the TikTok man. Yeah, um, oh. I was gonna ask how y'all felt about the fact that the female characters were defined almost entirely by chocolate. It does make the whole cracks out of Agnes knit about how, like, oh, man, it's so wild that there's a skinny girl and a lot of chocolate inside of her. It does, it does make those feel a little weirder. Like, there's this weird, like, women women do be eating that chocolate thing <laughs> running through Terry's oeuvre that I want to be like, where, where did you get this when? whole thing? I, I can't, if, if that was, like, a joke back in the day, that's not, like, a joke now. I, I can't wait for the next book, Women Be Shopping. Women? Disc. <laughs> It's not spending all of that money, women. It, it did lead to a couple of good jokes, like everyone being in awe of him being able to only eat half the chocolate because he's mm. like the ancient kung fu master and that's yeah. what he could do. Or, And with Susan, it works a little better for me because her whole thing is just being very practical. Right, so like the contrast is fun. But it also shows it that weird. she's she's still human like it's yeah. important that they show that she's not a total like robot because then she'd seem no different than the mm -hmm. auditors she still has human desires human emotions mm -hmm. and human god forbid, god forbid woman eat anything i mean i'm pretty sure that isabel had a chocolate obsession so it's another one of those like weird little hereditary things Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I don't know. I I, I also mentioned yesterday, like, I get 75% of the way to the book. They get to the Chocolatiers, and I immediately have to put the book down and be very thankful that we're very close to Valentine's Day so I could just go buy chocolate. I didn't have any chocolate. It was so sad. Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. I had to eat the last frozen Snicker bar out of the freezer, which counts. I should have gotten some chocolates for our recording oh, session. I'm so oh, sorry. Nice. Uh, get a handful of chocolate chips from the kitchen, I guess, <laughs> if you really want some. Oh, maybe next book I'll have more food and it's... Uh, the next book is a Rincewind book called oh, The Last I, I don't want to eat him. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, no. It's also uh, short, so, you know. What do you think of uh, Luce, the, uh, our, our wizened mentor character? Are we talk about him? I actually am... I, I am impressed with Pratchett's ability to have him seem like he can do anything and is all-powerful and the smartest guy in the room at all times, while also not having that just kind of destroy the book. Because mm -hmm. I feel like that's not something he's been able to do in the past. But yeah. here he's like actually able to do, here's the mentor who's smarter than everyone and knows everything and is good and can do whatever he wants and solve all the problems. But like, also he's like... Actually, right. there's more to it. I think it. I think it helps that he can't solve all the problems. Yeah, exactly. He does. He does make mistakes in the book. He does, like Lob saying literally says, like, yeah, you're, you're kind of a scam, aren't you? Similar to like with witches, it's like, oh, you don't really, you don't really do all the shit you say you can do. This is extremely. I wanted to do a a witch, but a boy. Yeah. Yeah. We found another gender, and that's history monk. Yeah, boy witch. 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 But yeah, no. He was really cool. I like that he um, I like that they mentioned his little uh, bonsai mountain ha uh, growing thing. Mm -hmm. 
I like that he has the Garden of Five Surprises, which is a point-and-click adventure game he constructed on the uh, <laughs> the grounds of the History Monk Temple. That was cool. I like that he beats up the physical incarnation of time at the end. Yeah, that's like, sick. It's, it's a great moment of just like, nah, fuck you. Yeah, it's like, uh, I'll beat up time. I'll look great on the resume. <laughs> <laughs> Giving Rule uh, 1 a nice little fill-up. Yeah. Also, there was the whole scene where they're just like, and here at the History Bucks place, we're going to do a James Bond bit for two minutes. Yes, there was yeah, Q! Yeah, yeah I was wilded out by that! <laughs> Here's Q, he's gonna give them some fancy gadgets, and they're gonna leave. He's, that he's, was a bit. He's invented a bowl with razor blades in it that explodes somehow. <laughs> I, I appreciate that the bowl does come up much, much later. Yeah. Thrown by a guy who won a contest to be in a Discworld book. Was that what that was? Yeah, that, that's what Elspeth says. Is the the guy with the hair was it won a uh, charity auction or something to be in a Discworld book? Holy shit! He was really cool though. Yeah, I liked him. That <laughs> was fun. Yeah, he shows up multiple. He's like he's not just like a cameo. He's a character who shows up. Yeah, he's, which is he's the guy who found Lobsang for one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, What'd you think of, uh, what did you think, well, we talked a little bit about the horseman, what did you think of Ronnie Soak as a character at that whole, I, and just the, the whole horseman bit? Uh, I thought it was a little, like, I thought it was kind of like, it was a little diet good omens, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, we, we've done this before, we've been here before. It was, it was cute, I think he maybe overstayed his welcome a little bit. I was, like, yeah. I, but maybe it's because I was projecting my fucking Discord, my little pony opinions on him. <laughs> yeah, he does have kind of a John Delancey vibe. Yeah. yeah, now yeah. that you mention it, I wish you hadn't. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the thing that always pisses me off with, literally, like, Terry Pratchett was involved in three different books now where he's had the, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse ride out. And let me tell you what, he makes the same mistake that everybody fucking does with this shit. Mm. He always names Pestilence as one of the four horsemen. Pestilence was not a horseman. That was added later. Biblically, it's war, famine, uh, death, and conquest. Mm. Conquest is the fourth horseman of the apocalypse. But nobody mentions that. And you think that okay. would be like, I don't know, kind of relevant, but like, no. That, I feel like that would be a much more fitting fifth horseman. If All right, so I, have, so I have two arguments here. I mean, we're going we're gonna to throw out the obvious argument of there's no Bible in the Discworld anyways. But the right. fact that they have to move with the fact that they have to move with the times is integral to an anthropomorphic personification. In fact, it comes up as a, effectively a plot point because it's part of how Ronnie gets you know reinterpreted. And the fact that these days people think of pestilence more than they think of conquest, because they think of conquest as part of war. I suppose. Yeah, I guess. And, like, we did, I was going to say, like, we did just have a book, Jingo, that was literally all about conquest, but, yeah, eh, yeah. Eh, eh, eh. It, yeah, no, it's, it was it's, funny. I still don't think it, it was not a compelling bit, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. we've yeah, seen it before. No. We've seen it several times before. It, I, think, I think I liked the Ronnie Soak parts more than I liked any of the other horsemen, they all just kind of sucked and were just there. Yeah, and yeah. Just like, like there, there were some alright bits. Like, I thought it was funny that Pestil- we come on Pestilus trying to take down a please wash hands after using the restroom sign. Yeah, that, that was, was good. That was a decent bit, but it's like, okay, War is, like, whipped by his wife, I guess. Thanks, Terry. <laughs> his wife. War wife. <laughs> war wife. Well, wife. Yeah. And Famine is just, like, a hungry guy. Yeah, one hungry boy. Creative. It's... 
Yeah. It's hard. But the other problem is, like, all the... It's like, these... There's these four stooges, and then there's Death, who... We know Death. He's one of the best characters mm. in the Discworld series. He's fucking awesome. I just rewatched Hogfather with some homies for uh, the holidays a few weeks ago. Death is still the best part of that film. It's everybody loves the Discworld version of Death, so it's hard to create other characters who can even stand in the same ring as him. Yeah, which we even get in the book. Like, yeah, obviously Death is dead. Everyone else is like, you know. No one's really afraid of them. Anymore. They don't even they don't even give them different typefaces in yeah. this book. They're just guys. Yeah, which is the point, is we make them into guys. That's the whole like, plot of the book, is okay. being a right. guy does this to you. Death is significantly less of just a guy than the rest of yeah. them, though. He's okay. still a talking skeleton. Okay. Would it have been funnier I... and would it have aged any better if he had played up the Beatles thing more? Uh, I think it would have aged much, much worse. Yeah, like <laughs> I think it might have been funnier though. Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of anything to make it any different from any other time this has come up. Like they, it, like if they had been more about creative differences, about having, like the big thing about Ronnie is that he went out and got a different job. That is the thing. That is what made him different. That is what made him actually kind of interesting, even if mm-hmm. that yeah. different job was fucking milk. Yeah, yeah, time milk. Mm-hmm. Tilk. I also did like what they did with him in the end of like, well, nowadays chaos is uh, chaos theory yeah, and butterfly effect. Yeah, and that it's all math. He's all math now. Like, that, that's a pretty good gag. Yeah, like, I, I like that. That, that, that. That's fun thing. But yeah, it, it was definitely the weakest part of the book for mm-hmm. me, that whole through mm-hmm. line. It was... I. I thought it was funny when the, the angel with the iron book shows up and it's like, sorry, you're not canon anymore. You, yeah. haven't, you haven't been part of the, the canon for like the last hundred years ever yeah. since the prophet brother and so on. Brother wrote you out. Yeah, just, <laughs> just like they, they wrote Ronnie out, you know? Yeah. It turns out you were a weird metaphor for an infighting. Yeah. <laughs> good, good bit, but like, you didn't, nothing really happened from it. Yeah, he was, was he was there to remark on how fucking weird the fight was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's he's there so that Mrs. War has someone to talk to, I guess. <laughs> Which I, I always appreciate talking to wives. I, I think that's good. There's no librarian in this book. Anyone else notice that? Yeah, I was about to say we're fully past the point where Terry feels the need to put the librarian in every single Discworld book. Yeah, the wizards only get mentioned in passing once. Instead, we got Nanny Og. Yeah, we do get Nanny Og. Yeah, we get to we get to see Nanny Og, who is now canonically the best midwife <laughs> to ever exist. Yes, she. Period. She knows her way around a pussy. Yeah. Her own, other people's times anyone she yeah. can deliver a baby out of anyone that's gotta feel that's gotta feel pretty great just like god showed up and was like i need the best midwife to ever exist yeah. and that's you so you're gonna help me like yeah. you're gonna show up but also like like the whole samurai jack thing of like not yet someday you will be the best midwife <laughs> yeah. i'll be back in a few decades i'll be back yeah that's sick yeah it's good you came back three times and are you ready for the the Timussi now? Yeah, <laughs> Timussi. I also other stuff with all this stuff. I sort of liked the stuff with Jeremy, but it didn't go anywhere. He just kind of disappears, yeah, and he, now he, we just have lops. Yeah, he like, stops he, existing. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he, yeah the, uh, even his other half didn't like acknowledging that he existed. 
Yeah, like, they, they, they just kind of killed off Time's autistic son. I get it. <laughs> it, it just, it, it, like, it felt like, oh, well, he's supposed to be both of them now, right? But he's but not. No, you he's don't just see one any of, them. of Yeah, you don't see any of Jeremy in the yeah. Lobsang 2. Like, yeah, like, he just, he, he goes by Lobsang. He, he should have at least changed, he could have, like, been, like, Jobsang or something. Or he, or he could have gone back to Newgate, his name, yeah. before he was Jeremy or Lobsang. Yeah. Yeah, so it does feel weird that he just kind of... He kind of killed Jeremy. He yeah. kind of got exploded. Yeah, and before that, he was just kind of like the dude who was building the clock. He was mm. he was Mr. Plot Device. Although... I like, it, I didn't it, mind him. I thought he was, was nice. He was a great uh, foil for another appearance of a guy I love to see. Uh, Igor! Yeah! yeah. You, you get to see Igor, which you're always happy about. Igor's in this book. With his, with his hand-me-downs and his... Why are you looking yeah, at him? Yeah, Igor absolutely had the best joke in the book, so. <laughs> no, I love, I love, uh, this book had one of my favorite, uh, I think my favorite joke in the book was a footnote this time, which was just talking about how Igor's always trying to get away from a situation, situation with the, we belong dead. Did, <laughs> I don't know why it's said, you're saying we, you belong <laughs> dead. Like, yeah. I like Bride of Frankenstein, it's a good movie. It's good, yeah, he's. Goes into like, oh man, we get to work for a mad scientist. I know how it is. I know yeah. how it'd be. But then mm. literally, he's like, this guy's creeping me out even for my line of work. Yeah. I don't know about this shit. <laughs> this uh, guy actually gets shit done, which is uncomfortable. I don't like that. Mad scientists shouldn't be too good at their jobs. That that makes things dangerous <laughs> for other people. Not for not for us. It's part of the job <laughs> for us. Uh, that was fun. Um, I think that's kind of a lot of this book felt like really cool ideas that I wish had gone slightly different. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a bad book. I really enjoyed it. But, like, I wish they had done a little bit more with Jeremy and Lob saying, I wish that, I wish the Unity didn't die at the end. Yeah, that, that was kind of for no reason I, at all. I, I think she'll turn up again. I like to think she'll turn up again, as things do. I like, I like the idea of, like, I mean, it's because Pratchett wanted to make a death by chocolate joke at yeah, the end, yeah. and yeah. also like was like, "Oh, well, I can prove that she's human because she died with a soul." But now, fuck it, she <laughs> should like get to live and be happy. And I'm, I'm yeah, I love it. You, you yeah. love a good face turn. Yeah, it's just like censorship. Oh my god, <laughs> it's literally just like that sunset shimmer shit. Uh, I also have terrible news. Uh, I've been browsing uh, Tumblr trying to find uh, art of any of these characters as I usually do. Mm -hmm. And there is at least there is one person online who has drawn uh, Lob saying the titular Thief of Time mm -hmm. in the Homestuck Thief of Time outfit. Ah. Oh. Was. Someone had to. Yeah, someone had to. Mm -hmm. It actually made searching for the book really hard mm -hmm. because you get like Listeners. a couple posts about it and then a bajillion OCs. Yeah, yeah. Like, Listeners, be glad you can't see my face right now. <laughs> you really should be. It's a good Christ. face. Which one was, which kid from Homestuck was Thief of Time? Nobody. It's, Nobody? Uh, you have to make it up yourself. Oh, okay, good. I thought, but, like, yeah, yeah, was said, for, like, structure. I thought there was I mean, one I was forgetting there, like we were talking yeah, about there earlier. there was at least one or two time-related characters and there were Thief characters. It is a valid construction using the parts that they give you. Let's put it mm -hmm. that way. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's got the it's got the six letters in the right place. Listeners, if you know things about Homestuck, don't tell them to us. Don't don't call it. <laughs> don't don't mess. There with are us. other better podcasts to bother about yeah. that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Not us. We're Discworld podcast. Uh, if, if you are, however, stuck in a home 
for non-webcomic related reasons, you should probably call the fire department. Mm. Or just start reading Discworld. It's yeah. great. Read Discworld. It's great. It's great. It's a Love great it. way to steal the time. There were some other things right. that I liked. Okay, there fa- is there fanfic about Lob saying stealing Talk the Watchdog from the Phantom Tollbooth? There's like seven fanfics total of this book on AO3. I need to try and find more or anything like it. That sucks. I want more. Listener, Why didn't people like this book more? Listener, I take commissions. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like the least Discworld book that we've really done so far. Uh, like it, we get a, we get a, it definitely uses Discworld the Discworld pieces. It does. It's just that you know, the more you think about it, the more it's like the auditors just feel like the Cybermen or some bullshit. Yeah, like, it, it really, really is just a Doctor Who script with with you know different wallpaper. Yeah, but with more jokes about C-mail and the, the chaos grumbling about oh they're always against the small businessman. <laughs> I did find the most British thing in the book uh, yeah. that I found. Yeah, um, like, in a, like in any Doctor Who script, everything happens in London for no goddamn reason. It just does. Yeah. Uh, I've been thinking, said a voice, maybe there are things worth putting up a fight for. And they are, said Pestilence looking around. Salad cream sandwiches. You just can't beat them. That tang of permitted emulsifiers? Marvelous. That one even has a footnote apologizing yeah. to the non-English readers. For- if you live in a country where the tradition calls for mayonnaise... Just don't ask. <laughs> Just don't. Okay. It's basically Miracle Whip. It's basically Miracle Whip. Yeah. Until I saw an Ashton's video or something on it, it's weird. Salad cream. It's such a British thing. British people have such... And, like, uh, I, I apologize... Well, I don't really apologize to no, all of our British don't. listeners. But uh, I, I empathize with all of our British listeners uh, because I was born there. Uh, British people should have a fucking magical touch at making even appetizing food sound gross. <laughs> Look at it, you chip buddy. I'll never forget learning that apparently in England they call spaghetti, spaghetti with meat sauce spag bowl, which yeah. is short for spaghetti bolognese. Which, oh, yeah. why would you call it Wait, spag shit, that's bowl? A, that, that's, that's disgusting. Not a, like, 2020s internet joke? That really is what they call it? Yeah, for real! Yeah! Belina, to your credit, I remember... A dear friend of mine is Welsh. He is great, old friend. We go back to like seventh grade, even before that, really. But the first time I watched him make a chip buddy in front of me, I thought it was a joke because he just <laughs> plates of bread, buttered it, put French fries on it, and ate it. And I thought it was playing yep. a prank on me. That's like learning about fairy toast, where it's the same thing, but instead of French fries, it's, it's sprinkles. sprinkles. Yeah, yep. and like I will cut the Brits certain slack with their food because they did have the Blitz. But yeah, come on, guys. Yeah, they. they... People don't invent Bovril because they're in a good place. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, if I were getting bombed, I would simply eat. I would simply eat more toast. I would eat meat, tea, and yeah. French fry toast, and uh, salad cream, and all that other weird bullshit. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, oh, I would yeah, also. I think you mean a. You mean Queen's delight? You mean Plowman's lunch? Ooh, yummy! Are you having a Plowman's, Plowman's lunch? Plowman's lunch. Oh, you mean like. Just raw food? You haven't assembled into a sandwich yet? Yeah, okay. Plowman's sure. lunch is like bread, pickled onions, and like cheese or something like it's that. It's very good. Yeah. I like a Plowman's lunch, but that's because I like bread, cheese, yeah. and pickled onions. Yeah, I'm ha- I'd rather have a Plowwoman's lunch. Yeah, because I'm, like, I'm, I'm gay. It's like, ah, I'm having a cartoonist sumptuous feast, and it's like a spoonful of peanut butter and a rolled up tortilla. And like, yeah, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you can just date whatever you want after your job. Anyways, there's our type five on British food. Listeners, <laughs> if you're British, I'm impressed you're still listening. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sure they've never heard British food insulted ever in their lives. Uh, um, I'm looking at 
other... Oh, yeah, they say, another... They say Among Us once in this book. They do. I, I heard the little... Um, I do want to point out that another interesting thing about this book that I really liked is that it's a... So, you know, we all know Terry was a huge nerd. One interesting thing they mention here is that um, the, the history monks mend time whenever it breaks or bends or warps by stitching in bits of the past or bits of the future uh, from places where it won't be noticed. Uh, a while back, the glass clock was built in Uberfault and exploded, which caused a huge time rupture. They had to fix everything, pulling bits of history from here and there to paper up the cracks. And he does mention that there were some iffy wars that happened a couple times, and also in Ephib, there were like philosophers who existed like hundreds of years apart, which if you remember in Eric, the philosophers Zeno and Abid show up, but they also show up in Small Gods, which took place like a thousand years before the events of anything that happened in the main timeline of Discworld. And I gotta wonder, what, did he mention that specifically in the book? Because that continuity error bugged Terry that much. <laughs> it hasn't, it hasn't, none of the other continuity errors have gotten to him, but this one did. That one did. A chance to if, fix it was, it. if it was anybody else, I'd be like, it probably didn't matter. But yeah, as I Terry. noticed elsewhere, like, Luzi does show up in Small Gods, but the narrative pings him as 6,000 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, again, I, like, he, he's like 600 years in this one. Yeah, that was that was kind of my realization when reading that article about uh, him whining about Doctor Who. It's just like, oh, Terry Pratchett was like a hard sci-fi guy. Yeah. He he did care about keeping all of that yeah. stuff yeah. straight, huh? He was one of those dudes. Yeah. And like, if this were... There are other shows that, of course, cover all of Pratchett's output and not just uh, the Discworld books. I might recommend the Pratchett podcast, friends of the show. How you doing, folks, if you're listening? Hello. Uh, who cover all of Terry's books, including his non-Discworld volumes, not just the stuff set in this fan- fantasy comic series. Uh, and his other books, a lot of them are much harder sci-fi. <laughs> so... There is one I do eventually want to read on the podcast. The I think it's called Nation. The yeah. Really, yeah the really oh yeah, I've like, read Nation. Yeah, that one's that one's the really famous one of his non-discworld book. I've so never read that one at all. Uh, I should. If we do a bonus episode on it, we should read that. Yeah, but I'd love to do it. But I need to figure out where like where he wrote it roughly. But it's the one whenever you're looking up like, well, what else did he write? It's like, well, he also wrote this book. So. Yeah, with this uh, Johnny and the Dead, the Carpet People. Uh, and then, like, if you read the little inside of every Discworld, there's like a list of like 18 different Discworld spin-off things. Like, where's my cow? The Discworld Big Map, Natty Og's Cookbook. Uh, and also, I feel like this book specifically was maybe influenced by his Science of Discworld series, which he wrote throughout the 90s, and which were kind of like using the wizards as a framing device to talk about real-world science things that were actually going on. We aren't covering them in this podcast because we're only doing the novels. And from what I understand, most of them is just like talking about interesting real-life science stuff. And that seems very cool, but that's not what we're here to talk mm-hmm. about. And it would be weird to rank those next to the novels. Mm-hmm. So, But they are interesting. Yeah, we'd, find we'd, we'd have a God, long drag-out fight about how good Where's My Cow is. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Too, we're, we're already including, because the official list includes the young adult material, we're already including that. 
I feel like it wouldn't include the young adult material if the last Discworld novel he had published wasn't a young adult novel. I feel like yeah. it would just because of the Tiffany Aching books, because those are like those do tie those into seem the rest important. of Discworld. Like, yeah, they, those they, seem important in a way that the Amazing Maurice doesn't seem important. <laughs> we'll see. Maurice isn't that amazing. I, no, I, Maurice did get his own no, movie I, though. I've so what the fuck do I know? I've heard Amazing Maurice. Like that's one of the ones people always recommend. I've heard it's really good. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited to read it because I haven't read it before. But like the Tiffany Aching books are specifically like no, the witches show up in those. They're important characters. There's a lot of like tie-ins to. It's a Discworld book mm-hmm. set in Discworld, mm-hmm. as opposed to like the Amazing Maurice is set in Discworld the way like. Pyramids is set right. Mm-hmm. It's happening somewhere on the disc. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, it took me until the end of the book to realize his name is when, like when, like the oh. question. When oh. the eternally surprised. Like, yeah, like <sighs> this world does it pretty well. Where like usually it's at the end of the book. We're like, oh, it's been a, a pun the whole time. Like yeah. how do I explain, you know, Legion, Legion, mm-hmm. Miria Legion. Yeah, or soak chaos or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I liked I liked showing a little bit of when in this book. Yeah, I think that the like it reminded me a lot of this is this is a massive tangent, but uh, oh, well, we're only forty five minutes into it all the time you need. <laughs> okay, well the the whole thing about him being eternally surprised as a mode of enlightenment really reminded me of like so like Nero and I are obsessed with this pair of architects named Arakawa and Jeans, who uh, got hot in like the eighties and nineties. Uh, because they were experimental architects. They made a lot of buildings with like bumpy floors and curved walls uh, that were kind of purposefully hard to navigate. They painted a lot of walls in clashing bright colors and used unusual textures for things. Their whole principle was, behind all of their design, was that they were trying to design buildings that embraced tentativeness, that would keep you surprised and aware while you were in them of your surrounding architecture and decor. Because if you live a life where you are constantly surprised, then you'll never die. You will become functionally immortal. That makes sense. Which is a bananas idea. You know, now, one of them, not the day, I get yeah, it. One of them did die. So, you know, <laughs> no. maybe not a watertight theory, but after, like, they were also a married couple, and after Arakawa passed, Jins was like, yeah, so this really is just kind of proof of concept that this whole death thing is really something we need to get over sooner <laughs> rather than later. I blame, I blame society for this. Mm-hmm. We, really, we really need to accelerate our push towards gaining functional immortality by being constantly surprised and <laughs> in wonderment of our surroundings. Um, we do live in a society. We do live in a society, but it should be a more surprising society. Nah, I can deal. I can live with it. That's what all those loot boxes are trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> we live in a surprisity. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, Sorry, they're tangent done. Anyways, uh, reading all the times when he popped up, I was like, oh yeah. Hell yeah. This is, gonna, this is how they live forever. They just stay surprised all the time. They're always jumping out and go, boo, boo. Okay, I, I thought it was funny when the, the auditors are like, they're because they're doing their whole research thing, and what about, and they're like, oh, we need to eat. Yeah, oh, yes. You there, you've been studying food. You know, you know, yes, I know thousands of food. Yeah? Well, name one. You love food? Well, name one. And he names cheese, and they go find some cheese. It was funny in retrospect, I think, more than it was at the time. Mm, I liked the bit about them 
going to the art museum and disassembling all the art to find out which part of it was the art. Yeah, yeah they, they disassembled one of the only two paintings anyone in Ogborg Port cares about, which yeah. is like... Th- Man with big fig leaf and three nude women and small piece of gauze. Yeah. I love Unity's internal monologue about them. Just like, ha ha, yes, you've turned into people. Now you get to suffer like I have, except <laughs> I'm better at it. Because I relate to that a yeah. lot. Watching other people being like, yes, we're both going to struggle with this, but I'm good at it, you fuck. I, I appreciate the one bit where Susan admits that she knows where the painting of Man with Fig Leaf was because she comes mm-hmm. to the art art museum all yeah. the time. She's like, I know what I like. And she's, oh, yeah. you're an art appreciation? I know what I like. So she admits that she is she is capable of being horny. This looks great. Now, if, if only they made girls with one of these things on it, that'd be amazing. <laughs> she didn't say anything about the other painting, but the other painting presumably survived. That is true. Wink, wink. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Auditor said uh, Yuri wins. That's true. And if you want to find out if Yuri wins, you can find out. You can check my Yuri calculator at princess.sotsal.yuri. <laughs> if the auditors don't say Yuri wins, then we will. Uh... Trying to find other interesting things. Do you think they explored each other's bodies after they had them? No. That, I mean, I think that would they kill would, them. They would literally die. I think die. they would die. That's my, that's my pitch for a fan fiction, is uh, uh, Unity being scared to explore... Uh, Susan's body. Her own body, and asking Susan for oh, help, and I won't go further into it, because... I can fill in the blanks. Yeah, you can, yeah. you can fill in the blanks, and someone should fill in the blanks. Someone and write should. write it and send it to me, and I'll be happy forever. I think love can, you, I think love can win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, also, I think that, like, sex is hot when there's the threat that you might explode from the sheer yeah, sensation. Yeah, before it was <laughs> feeling too good. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, if, the, if it feels too good, you might die instantly. That's actually kind of hot. It's not called the little climax for nothing. Yeah. Or the little death. Yeah, no, sorry. I, no, the no, no, big look, climax, it's called the little, little death, death for a reason, and Susan herself is a little death. <laughs> hey! hey yeah! There you go, there's your title. There you go. Bing bang, baby. <laughs> God, it writes itself. Listeners. Except it doesn't. Uh, no. We need someone else to you do You need it. to write it for us. It would write itself, except it does not. Um, were there any other bits you wanted to talk uh, about in this book? Or? I thought it was weird that Lucy is, like, ge- doing some gender essentialism on the way Ronnie whistles. <laughs> like, only a man would whistle like that. <laughs> what? Petite lips. Feminine too. <laughs> you will never whistle like a woman. <laughs> I like the gag that he like went through all of this trouble to figure out who chaos is and figure out this deep mystery, and mm-hmm. then if they like they build it up, and then you just get his internal monologue is, well, it's because you wrote it backwards. Your goddamn name, yeah, so yeah, chaos. You, you, wrote it you even like mirrored it on the front of your truck, like they do with ambulances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not uh, subtle. Yeah, Alucard. Uh, we get a title drop. You always love those. It's uh, we're... I didn't write down anything like a third of the book because I was just enjoying it, but I didn't have anything to say. Yeah, it's um, we're we aren't we aren't at the hour mark, but I'm kind of running out of shit to yeah. talk. It's about. just a fun. It's just a fun book. Yeah. They go through all the stuff. They have a good time. There's there's some weird shit, but mm-hmm. like it's confined to the amount of weird shit I expect from a Discworld yeah. book. It, it. Yeah. I I thought it was funny when uh. Yeah, they're beating up the auditors, and Susan lifts up something heavy and blunt and says, let's go clubbing. I thought that was yeah. a cute joke. We're young. 
the night is young. Let's There's a lot of good little jokes like that. Yeah. Reminds yeah. me a bit of when we uh, read uh, The Last Continent, where we were all just like, that's yeah, pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, we enjoyed that. That's all right. Yeah. It's fun. All right. Well, I was going to say, if you wanted to, we could go to the ranking if you don't have anything else to talk about. Or... I wish I did. Yeah. How do we feel about that? Yeah, I think this, I, I, I think this I, I, I'm just... unfortortunately out of out of juice. Like we've got favorite jokes yeah. and rank, and that's it. We've I'll already say, covered half of those di- favorite jokes. I'll mm-hmm. say I think this Discworld book would be like one of the best possible ones to make into a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you, think so. I might just cut out the entire death thing with the four horsemen. I, like, see, I think that you got to keep it in there because if people are going to go see a movie about the Discworld, they're going to want to see a little bit of death content. Yeah, I mean, but, you keep death, I mean, but I don't think you need the whole four horsemen. I mean, death yeah, has to sound I mean, getting the band back together. I think, yeah. I think it would, like, heavily change it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I the other know. stuff you could keep pretty easily. Yeah. 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 That was cool. Okay, also I thought it was cute when Igor talked about having his hand-me-downs. His yeah, hands. no, my favorite my favorite joke in the in the entire book was um sorry, the the line about how he's his grand grandfather built the first glass clock with these very hands and you know looks down and always oh, his wrists are covered in scars. Like, you guys really do believe in hand-me-downs, don't you? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> That's great. So, on Discovers, we have an official ranking where we're ranking all 41 of the books. Uh, This one, I don't think... Our last episode was The Truth, and The Truth came in hot at number two right below Feet Mm -hmm. of Clay. I don't think this one is going to score as high to be real, but I will say let's start at the last kind of death-related book that we had. Will we say that it's better or worse... Then Hogfather. Oh. oh, it's been a while since Hogfather, so. Oh, that's I. I think I enjoyed this more than Hogfather, uh-huh. but I don't know if I'd say it's better because Hogfather did have some of those really good moments where I was just like, oh, it's so good. Yeah, like Hogfather had more to say. This one's more of a romp. Yeah. I think. So now that's fair. I think I would argue counterpoint. This book felt a little more consistently like. It was paced well. Things were constantly yeah. happening. Yeah. I was interested the whole way through. Whereas in Hogfather, the start is good, but once you figure out what's going on, it kind of it, it kind of deflates outside of all the scenes featuring death. Yeah, this one was more competently assembled. Yes. Which it's God, always the problem of like it's consistently higher, but it doesn't have the it doesn't have the peaks or the valleys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's um, always such a hard decision. I generally think I prefer texture, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because like, how much do you weight competence versus you know versus having something to say? That that could be the thesis statement for this entire podcast. Yeah, not that I would ever want to imply that the ranking system is flawed. It's perfect and objectively correct. Let's let let's let's do one thing. Do we think this is better than Lords and Ladies below it? Yes, I would say yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I, that's I like, nearly like, as much of an argument. Lords and Ladies is also one that I really enjoyed. And do we think this is better than Men at Arms? I really can't imagine saying yes to that. No, no. Okay, then we're still stuck here. Uh, It's definitely not better than Reaper, man, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, it is not going any higher than eight. The the entire discussion is whether it goes in at eight or nine. I want to give it, I want to put it below Hogfather. I think it's... I yeah, think I, it's I, a I, I, I think I, I 
fall on the same side there. Yeah. Like, like you know, I said, I I think I will generally prefer that when something goes up and down than when it's just consistently the same. Yeah. I guess I got to give it to Hogfather. Like, usually, if something is like, yeah, this is the Christmas episode, I know I'm going to hate it. And Hogfather, I didn't hate. I quite enjoyed it. So maybe it deserves credit on that. Plus, it has Death giving a kid a giant real-ass sword, which mm-hmm. is great. Just like in Narnia, but less Christian. Yeah. <laughs> it has, um... It, it explains how the Tooth Fairy works, which is wild. It has some really good Susan moments mm-hmm. in that. It kind of establishes who Susan is as an adult. Mm-hmm. It was uh, much better. Bo- it was a much better Susan book than this was. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm going to put it at number nine below Hogfather. Yeah. That seems I, like a reasonable place. Nine, but we still enjoyed it and fully recommend it. Yes, like, it's this close. Is, yeah, this, it's a good this, nine. Is, it, this is still absolutely a banger. It's just not It's just not a, like a worldview-shaking one like some of the stuff in the Yeah, topics. It's a banger. It, if you're an intelligent person, you realize that sometimes the 7 out of 10s can be just as good or even better. Than the yeah, this is an idea. It really makes you think. really makes you twink. It does. Well, not me specifically. I tried that. It yeah, it didn't work, out, didn't work you know. out. It really, it really makes you uh, time twink. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, the the thing about time slicing, I, I forgot to mention this during the the episode. This is so stupid. But I remember when I was so this was like my favorite Discworld book when I was a teenager. Um, I think the thing that I always loved the most about it was how time slicing worked, where it's like everything slowed down, but you needed to keep moving to keep the air molecules around mm-hmm. you from freezing up. And also, as you got slower and slower, you got the, the red shift, the Doppler effect with light, so that everything would get, the only things your eye could see would be closer and closer to like the blue and then violet wavelength. Mm-hmm. And as you, as you slice time thinner and thinner, everything goes ultraviolet until they hit that weird valley where everything's fine, which is more of a narrative device. But like, that's so like, you can tell Terry thought about like the science behind that. Mm-hmm. And even though it's like bullshit, there's, it's bullshit informed by scientific ideas, yeah, which is very cool. It's nice to see. You know, yeah. You, you, really, you thought about it and you love to see it. Yeah. It's consistent. I thought that was very neat. And also, I want a procrastinator for myself. Oh, move. Oh, absolutely. For, for, my, for my bag. I, I, I can think of so many ways to use it. I thought of so many ways to use that when I was a teenager. I can think of so many ways I could use it now. Because, after all, procrastination is the thief of time. Oh, my God, you're right. Holy shit! The one thing the L space annotation for this book are good for. They didn't even they didn't catch Jeremy Clark. They didn't catch the simp. The pleased to meet you. Let me guess your name. Uh, L space was dropping off. I mean, I guess it was like in two thousand one. So like, we were getting to the point where people weren't updating it site as much. But I don't know. Anyways, thank you for listening to Discovers. We really appreciate it. Uh, no fan mail this week but if you'd like to send us some fan mail we always love that we love reading it on the show our email address is disc at hypnofire.us that's d-i-s-c at h-y-p-n-o-v-i-r dot u-s remember that um send us your thoughts about whether you read Thieves of Time or a previous book or our next book or whatever the fuck just want to say hi feel free to we also have socials medias uh we have a twitter slash X at DiscPod. We also have a co-host at DiscPod. We have a Blue Sky, which is Twitter too, at DiscPod at Blue Sky. And then we're on Mastodon at DiscPod at Queer.Party. Comment on our work. Share it around. Spread the love. Tell your friends. Get it tattooed. I'm going to try to push the show a little more. Try to promote it so that we get... I, we, we don't make any money off of this show, but uh, after I upload an episode, uh, the website shows me 
analytics and it shows who's listening in what countries and like how gay the listeners are, yeah. like how many non-binary people such as myself are listening. And a lot of envies listening yeah. to the show first off. Fuck yeah. Um, but also, I don't know. I find those numbers interesting. And also, I, I, I want people to enjoy the stuff that me and my cool friends make. So... It's, do you tell review on a on a site or something? I don't tell know. your friends. I I think it took like a couple months before we got our first boy listener on horse truck. <laughs> For now, <laughs> the sure. official horse podcast of women and then yeah, I give it a few months. We'll see about <laughs> that. Mm-hmm. Um, Get horse fed. Yeah, I'm Iris J. Pronouns are she or there. As I mentioned, you find me at irisj.net or irisjcomics on. Uh, Mastodon at Melfi.men or co-host Blue Sky uh, Pillow Fort, Tumblr, or Twitter. Uh, I have Patreon. Patreon.com slash IrisJ. Support my comics and shit. Uh, for the thing I'm recommending that isn't uh, that isn't Discworld related, I'm going to recommend another sci-fi thing. Uh, after a few years of easing off of it, uh, I'm getting back into Warframe right now. Warframe is a game about uh, building a bunch of big meaty robots who are the horniest robots that have ever been made uh, and you jump in them and you kill 70 billion people um, and it's it's fun, it's cool it's good, It's you, you can play for free cosmetics cost extra, it's really about dressing up the robots, mm, the robots yeah. have such cool fits, there's one that they're advertising that's coming out next, it's like an Aztec warrior that's sick I just got one that's a dude, it's a skeleton which has, which has a bunch of pots hanging off of it, that's sick if you like games that where you just get to look at weird guys, this is a great game for that. I like it. It's nice. I have a, I have a little clan with some friends. We play all the time. It's cute. Uh, it's a it's a free to play live service game. But as far as they go, it's not too evil. Uh, I'm gonna endorse it. Hell yeah. I have been the Internet's beloved Princess Grace. You can find my writing, programs, podcast posts, and everything else that's fit to plug at princess.software. Uh, pronounce she, her, fae, fear, fair. If you're spicy, uh, check out my writing. I have. One or possibly two new new stories coming out by the time this episode is live, so check that out. I'm sure you'll enjoy them. Uh, as for my other thing to recommend, I think I've mentioned this before, but if I haven't yet, watch Gal Gygar. I'm watching it with friends. It is, I think, possibly one of the best super robot anime ever made. We're it's- watching Gal Gygar now, too. I can attest. It is a show for sickos. It's, it's so good. It has... Some of the best opening of all time. Yeah. It's, you get to see my son, Mike Saunders, the 13th. They let the Americans build a robot, and they made a gay little rock and roll jelly bean who loves friendship. I haven't gotten to him yet. What the fuck? He's, I, lo- I love Gal Gygar so much. My favorite, my favorite moment in one of the episodes we watched so far is like, so there's this little kid who's like from space, mm-hmm. and he can heal people who have been stu- turned into big ro- evil yeah. robots by the Saunders, the bad guys. And at the end of one episode, like, he's helping Gal Gygar turn a Zonder enemy back into a, a person. And Gal Gygar is like, wow, it's, it's weird that you can do that and nobody else. And I wonder why that is. And the kid's like, I guess God just gave me the ability. Uh, he just blessed me with the ability to do this. And Gal Gygar is like, yep, that's probably right. Immediate smash cut to credits. Gal-Gai-Gar no further is, explanation. Gal Gygar is so good. It is. I will. I could talk about it for ages. Uh, make sure you watch the OVA Gal Gygar final. And for bonus points, you can watch Better Man, which is a much less happy series happening like 
two towns yeah. over at the same time. Because Galvegar is the last of a series of giant robot anime series that stretch back called the Braves yeah. series. Galvegar, king of Braves, Galvegar. Yeah, he's the he's the king of them. Uh, Anyways, June. Uh, I have been Juniper. Uh, you can find me online. Uh, you can find me. Just, just figure it out yourself. I've done it in other episodes. Links and show notes. Websites. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as the thing I'll plug, I was trying to think of what the weirdest possible thing I could plug is, and uh, last week, uh, me and my, me and some friends got together and watched the, I believe, 1979 Chinese animated film, Nezha Conquers the Dragon King. It was great. It was really cool. If you like old communist animation with, like, really good orchestral soundtrack that is really pretty and also occasionally makes you go, oh, Jesus, what? What? Because, like old animation does shit that baffles you sometimes. Mm. It's really fun. It was a great time. Sick. Uh, I, I, I be aware you're watching like old animation with weird stuff in it, but it's fun. It's great. Uh, it's got China's favorite mythological femboy in it. Femme <laughs> No. Nezha. Not a femme. Nezha. <laughs> okay. Coincidentally, also the name of a really good Warframe in Warframe. <laughs> yeah, because... Why because they, Wukong, they, they love they love yeah that Wukong movie. also is a great Warframe and also Neza is a really hot femboy robot in the video game yeah they love shoving that femboy in, in stuff it's when, great wouldn't you so many things more femboy well, content they like gender is debatable there it's complicated yeah, yeah. Belina, Belina, I want you to I, know I, I was going to do Belina, beloved, where can we find you? But I got distracted by the robots. Ah, uh, no, no, don't, don't worry too much about it. Um, I'm still Belina, still she slash they, easily found in the show notes. I'm going to be honest, I'm skipping the plug this time because I've lost track of which hyperfixation that I've already linked on here. I need to go back and review those sometime. I haven't done anything particularly. I haven't done anything particularly easy to share lately, so I'll, and these plugs have already gone on long enough. So, well, thank you for being here. I will. I will just recommend your own sweet self. Yeah, no, I, I recommend you. I recommend being friends with Belina. Yeah, Belina's you, very cool, and we love her. If you get the chance to appreciate Belina, I recommend taking it. Yeah, I, I'll link to. Uh, I'll link to some of your recent commissions you've gotten. You've got. You've been getting some real good commissions. Roxy yeah, has been on fire lately. God, yes, she mm-hmm. has. No, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying Let's to be self-deprecating. I just don't like repeating myself. That's all. Understand. Let's recommend Roxy. Roxy's art is amazing. Yeah, no, exactly. Go Open for commissions. Co- commission Roxy. Check out her art. Appreciate the hell out of that spider. Yeah, yeah. she's great. Mm-hmm. And lovely. Great spider. Yes. Anyways, next time we're going to cover The Last Hero where we join our old friend Rincewind on uh, one more outing. It better be the last time. Oh, and this one's illustrated, too. We haven't done that since Eric. This is the one I only uh, Hooray! And hey! Cohen the Barbarian is back! Wow! Hooray! I wonder if he's less racist now. Aren't we so excited for this wonderful book that's the last obstacle we have to get through before we get to Nightwatch? And then we'll be truly in the bangers there. And then we're gonna re- we're gonna really finally get to the first real Discworld book, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Really, this is where Discworld begins. Um, until next time, folks. True. Truly, they were a thief of time. Mm-hmm. Really, the thief of time was inside us all along. That's true. And he's inside like a big glass castle. Yeah, well, that's also good. About it. That's also good. I mean, it might be inside Susan, but that's a that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Hot diggity damn, baby! Anyways, have a good night, everybody. Follow your dreams. Bye.